Welcome back, everybody, to the Wear the Bear podcast, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, one of the very best labor attorneys in the world, Cameron Evans of the Evans Law Group. Visit him on the web at evanslawgrp.com. Big hello to everyone joining us on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. Remember, you can always subscribe to the Wear the Bear podcast. Just click subscribe, and the episodes come right to your phone. I, I can't make it any easier for you folks. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies, and wanted to catch up. With Mari Rakiash, she's the Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance here at Oakland. And Mari, first off, I appreciate you covering out some time on, on a holiday week, but did want to catch up with you because a lot of times, and you and I have this discussion in the office all the time, right, where you say, we're downstairs here, it's compliance, uh, compliance is boring, right? <laughs> is, is, that, is, that, is that what it's talked about sometimes? Compliance is boring, is that what people tend to think? Yeah, I tend to get that a lot, but I always say it takes like a specific person. So in the same way, like, you know, if you want to be a banker, it's like a specific kind of person that can do that. It's kind of really similar for compliance. You have to be that special kind of person that loves it. So I guess I fall into that category. Well, well I'm a big fan of yours, Mari. So, so it's, great, it's great that we do get to catch up and, and chat with this. And, and I think it's very timely. And this is a little bit different. Uh, set up a little bit different conversation than we've t- typically had here on the Where the Bear podcast, where this is very timely, not only given what's what's going on around Oakland, but just in the general landscape of college athletics, because I wanted to talk with you specifically about the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And, and these are, I would guess, a majority of the questions you get on Twitter, a majority of the questions I get on Twitter uh, when people see these stories and what's going on. Just, I think the common sports fan, thinks the transfer portal is essentially free agency. If you if you wanted to relate it to, to professional athlete terms, it's essentially free agency. That's not the case all the time. It, it's, it is a very complicated landscape, but break it down for everybody. What, what exactly is the, the quote-unquote transfer portal? Yeah, so the transfer portal, brand new as of October, right? So it's basically this big database of every player who has an interest in transferring from his or her current school. Um, not really meant to be a recruiting tool, so it doesn't have things like positions, height, weight, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And students have to come into my office and provide written notification. So that's defined by every compliance office in every different department. We have forms. I'm sure other schools have, you know, varying different forms. Um, And then an institution or typically a compliance office has two business days to add a student athlete to the portal. Um, Fun game I like to play is how long after I enter them into the portal does it make it out to the public that they're on the portal, which I find is mind-blowing. Sometimes it's a matter of 20 seconds and it's on there. So I don't know how that really happens, but uh, yeah, I've got two business days and it, the media has about 20 seconds so yeah it is it is intriguing especially in this on-demand world how things work and, and if you're interested you know, in this type of stuff and, and you do a good job with twitter and you can follow golden grizzlies compliance on twitter at <laughs> at mind your <Grizzness, laughs> which is a great twitter <laughs> handle so so you can follow golden grizzlies compliance uh, at mind your Grizzness. you answer questions from fans that, mm-hmm. that ask questions about compliance that ask questions about the transfer portal if, if you hear something today that that piques your interest Shoot off a tweet at Mind Your Grizzness, and, and chances are good that, that Mari Rakiash will respond, the Assistant Athletic Director, for compliance. But, you know, as, as, as we look at how this has happened, what sticks out to me about the, the transfer portal is it's not uniform in that there's not a specific set of rules that apply across the board. It's really sport-specific, and that was something – and it's my job to know about these things, but you know, on the compliance end, that, that manual is very, very thick. I have a copy of it. I'm going to admit I have never read all 500 pages of it. I probably never will. That's why I have a job. That's I'm, ju- fine. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest about that. 
But I was surprised to find out there's different rules across the board for the different sports. So say soccer has a different angle than men's basketball that could be different than men's football. What, what are some of the, the more... I guess, obvious things that jump out in terms of the differences of the rules. Yeah, so a lot of the things do apply across the board, but there are carve-outs for various sports and different bylaws and all of that. And the big one relating to the transfer portal is the one-time transfer exception. So that means if you've never transferred from another school before, um, you get kind of like a one freebie, right? So you have that one, you've never transferred before, and you want to transfer, and you can be eligible to play immediately. Some sports that don't have that, you see your basketballs, football, hockey, baseball, um, those one-time transfers, it doesn't apply to them. So you have to sit a year no matter what. You need some kind of waiver. You need extenuating circumstances, um, something of that nature. And I think that's mainly because those are those are your big revenue sports. And part of the NCAA's mission, you know, whether you have opinions on it or not, is academics. And every time you transfer, you lose credits. It's disruptive to your career. It's disruptive to kind of your, your grade progression. So they don't want it to be, for those revenue sports, so athletic athletically motivated, I guess, um, that it ends up sacrificing your academics in a major way. So for some sports, it's that one-time transfer exception. You get one and then, you know, you're good to go eligible immediately. If you transfer again, you have to sit. And then in your revenue sports, you have to sit a year no matter what. And, and when you look at the impact that's had and continues to have, say, on the sport of soccer, where you're probably seeing an unparalleled time in terms of roster turnover where, where these student-athletes are, are taking advantage of the opportunity uh, that is in front of them with that one-time transfer rule. I mean, the, the numbers that are in the portal now certainly have grown. I, I would guess probably will continue to grow. Yeah, I expect that too. So I checked as of this morning, there were 15,923 students in the transfer portal overall. Um, about 10,600 of them are Division One student-athletes. And basketball, 1,600 of them. Uh, football is about almost 4,000, men's soccer 1,200, 800 women's soccer. I mean, there there aren't that many roster spots. There just physically aren't. So I think that's something on the one hand, it's great for students because you really want to make sure that they're getting what they want out of their collegiate experience, athletically, academically, what have you. But at the same time, as soon as you put in that written notification, you start to see, okay, you've lost your roster spot. You've lost your scholarship. Even if you decide not to transfer, your scholarship's probably going to be gone. Um, so I try and make sure that the students understand, yes, you have this option to enter the transfer portal, but do you recognize what you're losing by doing that? And if you don't land anywhere, you're kind of SOL at that point, you know? Mari Rakias joining us here, the Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance at Oakland University. My name is Neil Rule. You're listening to the Where the Bear podcast, live on the recorded live on the iTunes page, SoundCloud page as well. Click subscribe, and all the latest episodes will go right to your phone. As always, the Where the Bear podcast brought to you by the Evans Law Group. And Mari, that is something where there are educational aspects to the to the transfer portal. In my mind, just being somebody who's been in the the real world and the in the work world. Once you go in, I mean, there's no putting that toothpaste back in the tube. I think that's what you were essentially driving at with your last point. Yeah, I mean, that's really it is. It's kind of like, okay, once you put your notification in, even if you're just kind of testing the waters and seeing what's out there, you could lose your scholarship. You can lose access to the weight room. I mean, any athletic facilities, academic help, anything like that. As soon as you put that in there, coach doesn't have any obligation to keep you. They don't have any obligation to keep your scholarship. Um, and they can take all of that away, And you know, as soon as the semester ends. So if you put in, you know, for the fall, you may only have semester for half a year of schooling. Of scholarship before you're kind of like, oh, now I don't have any other options left. So I think that's the big thing that I always try to make sure that students understand is that you can do this. You can test the waters and you can kind of say that, but you, you have to kind of be gone because there's no option for you left here. So, Right. In terms of the landscape of, of transfers now, football, basketball, uh, soccer that you talked about as well, 
there are certain caveats where you can get immediate eligibility if if you do transfer in football, in basketball as well. You see this in the news sometimes, and, and fans may see this watching SportsCenter or, or listening to talk radio, and, and the update comes across, so-and-so was transferred to X university. They'll be eligible immediately. What What is the difference between, as you talked about, what would, what would necessitate the difference of you say you want to transfer so you have to sit the year versus, you know, Joe Smith has transferred to X university. He will be eligible immediately. What are some of those cases that, that get you immediate eligibility when you do transfer? Yeah, so those are waiver situations. When you see the football and the basketball transfers that are eligible immediately, that means that the NCAA, um, like their compliance office, had to ask the NCAA specifically, can we have the student be immediately eligible? So that's things like um, egregious treatment. So that's incredibly hard to document, and you can assert it all you want, but if you don't have anything to back it up, there's not much they can do for you. Um, I know they've seen situations where students have alleged um, some kind of racist treatment, some kind of sexist treatment, um, mental health issues, you know, so that's something that you can document and say hey I was really far away from home and I missed my family and it resulted in you know me having x y and z issues um it can be a family member who's sick and you have to take care of them um the NCAA actually just tightened some of the requirements for waivers so it's not as easy to get a waiver you have to show more documentation more reasons for it but there are certain situations where there are reasons why a student should be eligible immediately but they're normally uh very extenuating you know what I mean it's not just like this kid could really be a game changer this year it's kind of like okay they have a sick parent and you were more than 100 miles away and now you're living less than 100 miles away from your family this is your plan this is how much time you're spending taking care of them this is what your you know cost of attendance money is going to go towards taking care of that family member you know it's really it, it has to be well documented and shown and I'm sure it's just you know hundreds upon hundreds if not thousands of pages submitted to the NCAA saying these are the reasons why this is a statement from the student this is a statement from the psychologist you know I mean all of that stuff has to fall in line for it to be immediately eligible so that's kind of where I always will say kind of pump the brakes when I see people having opinions and things like that in comment sections um, it's really there's so much that you don't know when you see those waivers get approved and people say the NCAA is being inconsistent well if you kind of know a little bit more about what it takes to get that waiver approved and you know it takes kind of uh, more facts to it you know there's something else going on so it's really you don't know what else they submitted what else that school said what other documentation they had so it's kind of like you every, every case is is specific right yeah. every case oh, yeah. is 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 student athlete specific to to their situation it's wow you mean it's not just one broad thing Mari, where, where people just comment on it and uh they're all right and they yeah. know all the facts yeah really pretty much it's kind of like you never know i mean you never know <laughs> when you think about like just being on the inside and you know getting to know the students and all this kind of stuff i mean it's really every single case is different so what worked for one student's not going to work for another they have guidelines but really it's so fact specific you never know what's going to get you a waiver what about for you in your field specifically and, and again we're joined by mari rocky assistant athletic director for compliance here on the where the bear podcast brought to you by the evans law group this is probably an unparalleled time in terms of movement not just student athlete and transfer wise but i'm talking about rules that that you have, that your office has to follow, that you have to keep up on, that you guys have continuing education on. I mean, this thing seems like it's going in a thousand different directions, minute by minute. I mean, it, it, and this is something too where I think it's easy for someone to sit on social media and say the NCAA should do X and the NCAA should do Y, based on the one specific case they're looking at. But as you talked about, you said what fifteen thousand student athletes in the transfer portal right now. Mm-hmm. There's not a ruling they can make that A, applies to all 15,000 students in the transfer portal right now, let alone addresses each 
individual situation that you talked about, I mean, it really is. And, and people can, can say what they want in being in the talk radio business. I know because people will call the radio station I work at and they will, they will express their opinions about some stuff the NCA does and all those types of things. But with all that being said, I don't, I don't know that everyone fully grasps just how all-encompassing this is. When, when they make a ruling or they make a rule, that could change the fate of, of what we talked about, 15,000 possible student-athlete transfers. I mean, there's not one thing they can do that would address everything and figure everything out. Yeah, and that's really – so this is kind of the other piece of it is that all of these rules come from the membership themselves. So the NCAA does not come down from on high and say this is the new rule. You know, the ACC will sponsor something or an individual institution will sponsor a rule and they'll put it forward and say, hey, membership, let's vote on this. So it's really not um, the NCAA kind of making these rules. So it's really institutions saying, hey, this is something that's affecting me or this is something that could change. Let's put it forward. And then conferences give feedback. You know, we have conference calls where all the compliance people get together and, you know, think of different scenarios and give feedback. So it's you can try, like you said, you can't legislate for every single situation because it's just not possible. So it's like you do the best you can in the interest of equity, equity and fairness and hope that it comes out, you know, the right way. But really, there's, there's nothing that you could do to legislate for every single 15,000, you know, students in the transfer portal. You just can't. Uh, Mari, as you look at the transfer portal and the transfer rules and, and everything that's going on with the NCAA right now, how do you see the future what do, what do you see and obviously you don't know this but uh, just your best guess you've been in the game for a little while now you know you know what's going on so you know how do you see this shaking out I mean are we going to get to a point where and, and I know people around it don't like to use the term free agency and I did I did the little air quotes thing for people that for people that don't know because it's it's you know radio based here podcast based I did the air quotes so free agency there Can't I did confirm. it again air quotes were there yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely but I mean how, how do you see this shaking out in the future I can see a couple of different things happening. The first is that I think it's like a pendulum. You know, I think right now the pendulum is swung very far in favor of the student athlete and, you know, giving them kind of a lot of freedom. And I think when the effects of that start to kind of ripple and hit, I think the pendulum's going to swing back. So I don't think that it's going to be this open forever. I think we are going to see changes probably two to five years. Um, the other thing is I think we're going to see a lot of schools objecting to the one-time transfer exception. So that thing that we talked about with soccer, um, the previous institution has to say whether or not they object to the waiver being granted, to that exception being granted. I think a lot more schools are going to start saying no because it's kind of the only thing you have left. Like you said, that free agency, in quotes, well, if you have any say in it, it is in that one-time transfer. I think you're going to start seeing schools object to it just because that's the only thing they've got. Um, and like I said, you already saw the NCAA raise standards for transfers and transfer waivers. I think that's going to keep getting harder and harder to get. Um, I think academic issues are going to start coming to the forefront. So, you know, are they going to change APRs, your academic progress rate, and the standards based on whether the kid was eligible and whether they were retained? Well, with the transfer portal now, you have no control over who was retained and who isn't. So are we going to see scores dip because of that? And then are they going to compensate for that? And lastly, I think we're going to see a lot of lawsuits regarding information that makes it out to the public from the transfer portal. So I've said it before on Twitter and, you know, to fans and things like that. Um, there's a lot of information on there that, you know, is medical or academic. And, you know, you could run into FERPA or HIPAA violations by having that information. So I think you're probably going to see some lawsuits about something getting out about a student that wasn't meant to be public but leaked out and you're going to start kind of seeing the consequences of that so it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing things like that come out i think one thing's for sure the water will get more choppy before before it becomes calm there, there certainly is no doubt about that follow 
on Twitter, Oakland Golden Grizzlies Compliance, at MindYoGrizzness, one of the best Twitter handles going out there. Mari Rakiash, the Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance, thank you yeah. uh, on a vacation week, you know, on a getaway week for coming in and uh, sitting down. But I do, I, I think it's important to to bring that out there. I think sports fans want to know, Golden Grizzlies fans, sports fans in general, uh, it's not something we know about. Again, I'm, I'm a guy, I make my living and I feed my family through sports media. I don't know all the rules and everything that's going on. I'll call myself out on that. I don't think there is a lot of people out there that, that are speaking about it right now, but I do appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Remember, if you like the Golden Grizzlies, the Where the Bear podcast, click subscribe. Every episode will come right to your phone. We're also on SoundCloud as well. Just search Golden Grizzlies or Where the Bear, and you are in there. A big thank you to Mari Rakiash for joining us. Big thank you to Cam Evans and the Evans Law Group for their sponsorship of the Where the Bear podcast page as well. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. Thank you for listening, everybody. Well, see you later. <laughs>